0: Good day. You're tuned into Free City Radio. This is the 69th edition. Thank you for being with us. Uh, today on the program, I'm going to be speaking with Abdul Hamid Mohamed, uh, who is a member of Guerrilla, which is the Groupe de Recherche pour la Libération d'Afrique, the Research Group for the Liberation of Africa. That's an organization that has worked now for... A few decades to highlight uh, freedom struggles uh, in Africa. It's a pan continental organization. The organization has focused heavily on uh, a few very specific campaigns and cases. One of them is the um, campaign for justice surrounding the assassination of Thomas Sankara of Burkina Faso. Uh, This is a case that has gone on for a long time uh, looking at the complicity of both uh, international actors, the French government particularly, with the complicity of other Western states, including the US, Britain, and Canada, in the killing of Sankara in 1982. Uh, this case has gone uh, to uh, international levels now, and uh, Blaise Compare, uh, who is involved, it seems, in the killing of Sankara. Um, is going through a trial process right now. So Grilla has focused on cases like this, but uh, was integrally involved in projecting, vocalizing, mobilizing around the anti-apartheid struggle in Montreal um, in support of South Africa. Grilla is an African-led organization. So I got in touch with them because, uh, given the current context in Ethiopia... I was um, thinking it would be important to have a broader analysis, a historical analysis, around uh, the current uh, situation in Ethiopia. Um, So this brings us back to the context of the dictatorship in the 1970s, uh, the uh, federalist uh, uh, project in Ethiopia, uh, the problems with that, the various movements... Uh, across the country that have been calling for autonomy and of course uh, the recent cancellation of the elections in 2020 which uh, was basically justified by the Ethiopian leader Abi Ahmed um, as being a result of COVID but um, social movements um, have critiqued that and also opposition organizations uh, of course, uh, those uh, in the north and Tigre. So I wanted to try to highlight some context beyond the headlines, because it is in the headlines a lot right now, but it's hard to really get a sense of the sort of historical trajectory of current events without that broader historical analysis. And I trust the work of Grilla. Um, I respect their work. Um, I first encountered uh, Grilla in um, around 2002, during the mobilization against the G8 uh, here in Canada, before it was the G7. But in 2002, it was still the G8, and we organized a series of conferences and actions looking at critiques as to the ways that African development aid from the G8 nation-states was being used as a cover to push uh, neocolonialism and neoliberal economic policies uh, so, Grilla again is the Group de Research pour la Liberation d'Afrique, the research group for the liberation of Africa. And I was really honored to speak this week to Abdul Hamid Mohamed. Um, I'm basically just going to share what he said. Um, and uh, thanks again to Abdul Hamid for taking the effort to really go over in detail some context for Ethiopia today. Obviously, there is a, a link between the broader analysis that you put forward about resisting colonization in Africa, Ethiopia fought um, historically against uh, colonialism. Um, That included many different uh, communities within Ethiopia um, against Italian uh, colonialism particularly. Um, Can you sort of locate what's been happening recently within sort of a history of struggles within Ethiopia um, that have often clashed. There's various visions of what Ethiopian nationalism is. I'm just wondering if you could try to help us in sort of locating the current moment within a historical continuum.
1: Yes, in 1934, when the monarchy was established under Emperor Haile Selassie, uh, Ethiopia was effectively a monarchy uh, from that time until uh, 1974, uh, when Hele Selassie was overthrown uh, by Colonel Mangista Hele Mariam, uh and a group of uh, Marxist members of the Ethiopian military uh, in 1974. So the monarchy was essentially a very centralized state, and uh, Ethiopian, the landed Class owned almost much much of the land in Ethiopia. Uh, the peasants had little access to, uh, to the land, so it was a very central centralized system in terms of uh, the government, but also the economy it was in the hand of a few elites uh, who controlled uh, the means of production. And then in nineteen seventy four, uh, the Dutch regime, the military junta, took over over El Elulasi, abolished the monarchy. And set up a Marxist uh, government. Some will say it was a pseudo Marxist, Marxist but uh, it embarked on a land reform, uh, a very aggressive land reform that changed uh, land ownership system in Ethiopia. So that uh, a lot of the peasants and the poor people had now access to land. Land was distributed. I think this is one of the achievements of the dag uh, the Doug, uh, sometimes in Ethiopian Dergi uh, uh, military junta. But the Durgin military junta clashed with uh, opposition uh, Marxist and socialist groups uh, that wanted more more independence and preferred uh, a vanguard party uh, to to run the Ethiopian uh, state. But the military, especially Magister Hailemaryam, believed that that the military should be the vanguard party and the military should be let alone to rule. So there was a clashes, uh, internal clashes between the military government and uh, opposition uh, leftist groups. But there was also uh, ethno-nationalist clashes. Uh, For example, the Eritrean People's Liberation Front uh, was uh, looking to secede from Ethiopia. At that time, Eritrea was part of Ethiopia uh, in the 70s. And so they formed the EPLF, led by Assize Afawarki, who is now the president of Eritrea. And then uh, there was also the TPLF, uh, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, which was founded in 1975, led by Melez Zanawi, was also fighting against the the military junta. So uh, Ethiopia was technically in a civil war during all the uh, period it was under Mengistu Hala Mariam, that is from 1975. Uh, He effectively actually took control in 1977, because before him there was Teferi Bante, who was assassinated in February 1977 uh, due to internal uh, battles within the, the military junta, and then so from 77 until 1991, the civil war raged on in Ethiopia in different parts of the country, but mostly in the north, uh, in the Tigray and Eritrean regions. And then in 1991 May, the military junta was overthrown by a coalition of rebels, the Ethiopia's People's Revolutionary Democratic Front, of which the TPLF uh, were, were the main actors. So after that. Uh, Meles Delawi uh, became the Ethiopian prime minister and uh, Ethiopia was technically, uh, became uh, a federal state uh, and the system that was adopted was ethno-federalism of which uh, different ethnic groups in different parts of the, the country uh, could uh, have a level of autonomy to self-govern within their regions where they had their own legislators uh, and their own parliamentarians and their own presidents. For example, the Oromia state had its own government uh, and its own president and its own police force. The Somali regional state, the same as well. And so was the Tigray state, uh, Amhara state, uh, and all other uh, states. In the beginning, there were nine uh, regional states. I think now there are about 10. So Ethiopia became an ethno-federalist state. Uh, So the idea was First, to decentralize power and to give the regions uh, a level of autonomy, but also to restore cultural and language rights uh, that were taken away by the monarchy in 1941, when all languages, including Oroma, or- Roma language, uh, of which the Roma are the largest ethnic group, were all banned, and only Amhara was allowed as the official language uh, language of government, uh, language of instruction in schools. and uh, But uh, when the Mellon came into power and established the you know, federal state, language rights were, were restored uh, to the regions. For example, in Oromia, people can learn in Oromia language in their schools, the same with the in Somali region and the same with the Tigray, Sidama regions as well. But the TPLF controlled the coalition it was the most powerful actor. The other coalition members were the Oromo People's uh, Democratic uh, Party, the Amhara uh, National Movement, so those are basically, and the TPLF, those were the key four regional, uh, f- four uh, key actors, but the TPLF was the most powerful and it dominated the government. During the time of Mele Zenawi. Uh, Ethiopia looked eastward uh, to China, it adopted the developmental state, Uh, that was loosely modeled on the uh, East East Asian uh, uh, models uh, of state building. So what happened was it pursued uh, a a developmental model that was uh, supported and financed by China. And uh, the country saw uh, uh, development in key areas, especially infrastructure, uh, uh, the building of roads and highways, universities, Uh, refire hospitals and more. And also the biggest uh, and most vital infrastructure, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. So there was a lot of development that uh, was funded uh, by Chinese, uh, by uh, cooperation between Ethiopia and China. And then after Merazizanaou died in 2012, Meselene Hiramerem took over. Still, the TPLF uh, wielded a lot of power, but in 2015, uprisings began against the TPLF. Even though the system was ethno-federalist, it was still a dictatorship, and the TPLF wielded a lot of power. So there were uprisings in the Oromia Arom- state and Amhara state, but mostly in the uh, in Oromia, and and there was a huge uh, rebellion inside Roma state, and mostly led by the youth, and Uh, they were able to bring down the government of Disalaam Haramariam and he had to resign. And then in 2018, that is when he was brought down. And then Abiy Ahmed, the current prime minister, was appointed actually by by a vote in parliament, in the Ethiopian parliament, to become the new prime minister. Once he became prime minister, uh, he started right away quarreling with the TPLF, which he saw had too much power. And Abiy Ahmed wanted a different kind of government, uh, mostly a centralized state, but he also initially uh, reached out to the West and started implementing uh, new liberal uh, economic policies because uh, Ethiopia was caught in a uh, debt trap from the Chinese loans, and uh, it was difficult for them to continue with Ch- the Chinese to continue with direct aid. So Abi Ahmed decided. To look to to the West and started implementing some uh, partial privatization as part of the neoliberal project. The TPLF in the North still preferred the developmental state model and also wanted the ethno federalism to remain intact the way they articulated it during their reign. And also, because every regional state was supposed to hold their elections. Uh, every every five years. The elections in Tigray were, were due in August 2020. But it's the same with other regions as well. But the Ethiopian government cancelled all regional elections and also the federal elections that were due uh, in August uh, uh, 20, uh, 2020, citing the COVID uh, pandemic. The TPLF in the north went ahead with the, with the elections uh, in defiance to the central government. And then in, on November 4th, uh, 2020, uh, the, the Ahmed government claimed that the TPLF had attacked uh, its Northern Command military base located near Makele, uh, the capital of the Tigray region, and said that this is the, the last straw. And so he ordered the Ethiopian National Defense Forces into Tigray uh, to topple the ruling regional uh, party, TPLF. uh, And he termed it as a law enforcement uh, measure. But Ethiopia was heavily backed by electoral forces because the TPLF was heavily armed. Uh, It has ruled Ethiopia for almost uh, 30 years. And they had uh, uh, in their possession a lot of weapons. And much of the Ethiopian army uh, during the TPL, uh, TPLF rule was largely uh, Tigran. So uh, Abiy Ahmed relied a lot, a lot on Eritrean forces and also Amhara militia. And Eritrea also saw it an opportunity uh, to set a scores with the TPLF because uh, during the Ethiopian Eritrean War in 1998 and 2000, uh, Ethiopia was able to reoccupy a disputed area called Badme, uh, that uh, uh, according to the UN is actually part of Eritrea, but the TPLF claimed that it was part of uh, Ethiopia. So Eritrea had uh, scores to settle with uh, with the TPLF, and so before that, uh, in 2018, Abiy Ahmed struck a peace deal with Eritrea. Uh, which ended uh, technically ended the hostilities between Ethiopia and uh, and, and Eritrea. So what happened was, in the early stages of the war, the TPLF was dislodged from the regional capital, Mekele, and it retreated uh, into the mountains and waged uh, a guerrilla warfare, a fierce guerrilla warfare. And by end of June this year, in 2021, they were able to drive out uh, the Ethiopian National Defense Forces and the Eritreans and the Amhara militias from almost the entire of Tigray region, and then they pushed southwards into the Amhara and uh, Amhara uh, and the Afar states, where they captured uh, a lot of cities and towns. And uh, uh, two weeks ago, they were able to capture some very strategic cities uh, like. Desi, and Kambolcha, and Casey. Uh, these cities lie on the ethiopian djibouti highway, and so they're very strategic. And they are pushing now the rebels. Uh, later on, the TPLF formed an alliance with the Oromo Liberation Army, which also has been fighting the Abiy Ahmed government. And the, both rebels are now pushing southwards towards the Ethiopian capital, uh, Addis Ababa, and they are now within uh, striking uh, distance. And last week, the TPLF and the Roma Liberation Army formed an alliance with nine other groups, including the Somali uh, State Resistance. And the objective is to bring down the Abiy Ahmed government and then form uh, a new government based on uh, democratic uh, federal- federalism. And uh, so that's where things are heading now. So the reb- rebels now are within striking distance of the Ethiopian capital. There's been some diplomatic activities going on uh, with the uh, former uh, Nigerian president Olesigo Nabasanju, who is the African Union envoy for the Horn of Africa, is now on the ground in Ethiopia trying to mediate uh, between the Ethiopian government uh, and the TPLF rebels. Uh, A few days ago, he traveled to Mekele in the north to meet the grand leaders, and he has also held talks with the Abiy Ahmed government. And Obasan just said that there is a window of opportunity, but still the positions of both groups are very entrenched. The Ethiopian government is demanding that the TPLF uh, should uh, stop fighting, but also withdraw from Amhara and Afar uh, regions, uh, it should also recognize the legitimacy of the Abiy Ahmed government. While the TPLF uh, wants the Ethiopian government uh, to lift the blockage on the Tigray region, of which right now there is a humanitarian crisis uh, uh, because much of the aid uh, that was earmarked for the Tigray region is not reaching really the, the, the region due to a uh, blockade by the Ethiopian government. So the positions of both groups are still very much uh, uh, entrenched uh, despite uh, diplomatic uh, efforts by the African Union envoy to uh, try to resolve this conflict uh, peacefully.
0: So that's how things stand right now. There's two specific points here. One is the cancellation of the elections in 2020. Can you just detail why that's an important step in what has happened now with a, an armed conflict? The cancellation of the regional elections, I mean.
1: Yes, the, uh, the, the, the Tigrayans believe that they had a right to, to have their uh, the elections uh, as scheduled because elections were scheduled for August uh, twenty twenty regional election, but and also federal elections, uh, and then they decided in defense to the Abiy Ahmed government, which canceled all the elections citing the pandemic. That the uh, decided to uh, to go ahead. So this this was in direct defense to to the Abiy Ahmed government. They wanted to form the uh, the have an election and uh, form entrenched uh, TPLF's position. And the Abiy Ahmed government uh, will not uh, uh, saw that as a direct uh, defiance to its uh, power and control in Ethiopia. And uh, so the tension was, it was, uh, it was not just uh, about the election, but also a lot of the grants TPLF members. Who were in senior positions in government and military were purged out from the Abiy Ahmed government. So the the believed that uh, they were being targeted uh, unfairly by by the central government, and that they had every right uh, to to hold regional elections de- despite the fact that the elections were cancelled by, by by the federal federal government. And so this led to further uh, tension uh, between the federal government and, and the TPLF. But the last road was what the Ethiopian government claims, was that the TPLF uh, attacked the northern command military base in Mekelle uh, near Mekelle. But the Tigrayans said that it was an pre- preemptive move uh, because uh, they knew that the Ethiopian uh, defense forces were mobilizing already. Uh, near the borders of uh, Tigray, ready to attack and dislodge the, the, the TPLF. So that's how uh, things got out of hand uh, after the elections were, were canceled, but the TPLF went ahead with the elections. The Ethiopian government w- was able to hold federal elections. Uh, that was rescheduled for June, uh, 2021. But elections—the uh, election did not take place in many parts of the country because of insecurity. There was insecurity, of course, in, T- in the TPLF region, in Oromia state, in the Somali state, in the Afar state. So the the election was seen by many uh, international observers as shambolic. Uh, and they were just meant to entrench uh, Abdi Ahmed's uh, hold onto power.
0: So on this point of the elections, I think there is still like the labeling of the Ethiopian state as a democratic one. Um, why is it important for us to think about the role of Western states, um, recognition of Abiy Ahmed's, uh, government, um, Canada particularly has deep economic ties with Ethiopia on various fronts in the financial sector, in mining, um, even there are some military contracts. So, can you speak a bit about where things stand and also the responsibility of governments, including Canada's, that recognize the current government of Ethiopia within a democratic framework?
1: The problem is that always uh, Western countries, uh, including Canada, have always paid lip, lip service to democracy uh, in Africa because they only Interested in having a regime uh, in power that will protect uh, their interests uh, uh, on the on the ground, so that's what's happening with the case with the, with Ethiopia, uh, and this is not just Ethiopia itself alone. Uh, we have seen many questionable elections in other parts of Africa where the incumbent uh, will uh, uh, rig the elections, and then there'll be uh, a few. Uh, condemnation here and there. But down the road, uh, the Western government are c- uh, quick to uh, recognize uh, such uh, despotic regimes uh, just to protect their, their interests. So it's the same with Ethiopia now. Uh, many governments uh, in the West uh, uh, treated the elections as uh, legitimate. But many election observers, uh, independent groups, clearly said that the elections were not free and fair. That it was there was mass rigging during the election, and a lot of uh, candidates, uh, opposition candidates, uh, w- w- were prevented from running. And also, there was no registration of uh, potential voters in opposition strongholds. Uh, that uh, rec- registration took pl- took place. Almost eighty percent of the registration of voters took place in government strongholds the elections were rigged well in advance uh, during the registration of of, of, of voters, and so the Ethiopian government in the eyes of many is not a legitimate one Uh, and that's why the rebels are fighting for a new political dispensation. Uh, They want a a new government, transitional government of national unity uh, that will pave way for free and fair uh, democratic uh, elections uh, down the road. So that's how the situation stands. And Canada has not used its leverage over Ethiopia because Ethiopia is one of the largest aid recipients uh, of Canadian international aid. And Canada should have pushed for peace in Ethiopia and should have called for a new direction. For example, it should have called for negotiations between the government and rebels. But also uh, that uh, Ethiopia should hold uh, uh, free and fair democratic uh, elections, uh, and that uh, a new transitional government should be should be formed. Uh, so that's the situation with Canada now. The Canadian government has not used its leverage uh, to to demand a change uh, and a peaceful transition uh, in Ethiopia.
0: That was the voice of Abdul Hamid Mohammed. Uh, who is uh, outlining some important context and background on the current situation uh, within Ethiopia. I thought it was important beyond the headlines to look at the ways that the conflict in Tigray region of Ethiopia is rooted in historical realities and trajectories around debates on the uh, federalist nature at the Ethiopian state uh, how and in which ways are different um, communities represented um, and so I think that you know within this exchange, uh, we hear some more flushing out of context and details that are so often missing or actually can 't be included in a headline so I really wanted to dedicate the program to Ethiopia today for that context. So, thank you so much, Abdul Hamid Mohamed, for taking the time to speak with Free City Radio. I'm uh, Stefan Christoph in Montreal. This is the 69th edition. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be with us uh, today. To go out on the program today, I'm going to play a beautiful piece by pianist uh, from Ethiopia that was released as part of the Ethiopic series, a uh, beautiful work. Um, thanks for listening to Free City Radio. Uh, this is the 69th edition. Uh, we now share two editions of the podcast um, every week. Um, so you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts. You can find our archives on soundcloud.com slash Radio. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and I'll talk to you soon. I'm Stéphane Christophe in Montreal. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Spirodon, and our archives, uh, just search online for Free City Radio, um, and I look forward to sharing more editions with you soon. Have a good day. Take care.